minutes in heaven. Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that does not have a winning formula. We just don't win games. We don't win podcasts. You know, like that's that's not what we are. I say this because I think the Mavericks do have a winning formula at this point of the season, as they are seven and five. Just have Luca score like 37 points every single game. You could probably win a game that way. It's not that hard. Just asking him to score, you know, more points than anybody's ever averaged in, you know, since 1963. Yeah, that that's th- th- nothing wrong with that. It's a great winning strategy. I'm Tim Cato. I ran and talk about the Mavericks. Um, and I'm here with Austin Gurria, and we're going to talk about the Mavericks beating the Blazers on Saturday, 117-112. What'd you think of that game, Austin? Like, like I said, I mean, they just followed the formula, a very simple formula. I don't know why yeah. they don't do this every single game. You know, they'd go undefeated. I think I would call this a make or miss podcast. You know, we're just kind of, we're pretty reliant <laughs> on our, our three-point shooting. But yeah, I think uh, it was a great bounce back performance. Uh, against Portland. I thought they played pretty well earlier in the game. They lost the lead, and I thought they were pretty resilient in the fourth quarter to come back and get that lead. Um, Luka was was great. And then I think, you know, uh, Josh Bell from Mavs Moneyball has a great flow chart, and it's do the, did the Mavericks role players make their shots? They, they'll look like a finals contender. If they, if they don't make their shots, then they, it can look very ugly very quickly. And Spencer didn't want to try to make all of his three-point shots, and it made everything look much better. Luca looked fresh, looked like he was he got some good recovery time in, and that Portland team was very good. I was very impressed with that. That was a very impressive win. They, I didn't realize this, but they're the number one team in the Western Conference. So that's that's a very impressive win. Yeah, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie just all of a sudden, like, yeah, I'm gonna hit three straight. Uh, he was six of eight on threes, and really could have been six of seven, except he took. One of the boldest, heat checkiest threes I've seen in quite a while from any Mavericks player. <laughs> where dude, dude, dude catches it, sprints down the court like like he cannot wait to get to the three point line to shoot another one. And it's like it's like from the moment he grabs the ball on one end of the court on one three point line, like you know, like like you can see exactly where his brain's going. It's just like I'm gonna go to the other three. I'm gonna go shoot one. Okay, everybody, everybody, get out of my way. I'm going to go shoot one. You can't stop me. And he missed it. But dude was six to seven. Um, I, I asked him about his three point shooting, which obviously has been, you know, above 40% since he's got to Dallas, uh, since he was traded here. And he gave a, a really uh, smart answer. But the, the funny part about it is this dude sounded like a podcaster. He sounded like, like you or me. He sounded like a guest on this podcast because he basically was just saying the same things that we, you know, say about the quality of looks, stuff like that. Um, honestly, I can... You want to hear it, Austin? Yeah, we can hear it. Yeah, let's play it right here. I think I'm decent at the, uh, you know, harder shots. I don't think anybody shoots them with, you know what I'm saying, extreme proficiency, but the the ratio with which I took, like, hard threes, late clock, end of game, step backs compared to the quality ones, catch and shoots, trail ends, things like that, um, was just at a, at a different, you know what I'm saying, ratio than it, than it has been in my Mavericks uh, tenure. So, you know, you, you take more good shots and less bad shots, and then you also start making more bad shots because you, you know what I'm saying, kind of get to find it a little bit. So I, I think it's just kind of a product of, you know, the, the guys, the system, all that. Yeah, so like you said, oh, so much of it is built into – the quality of looks he's getting, the fact that uh, by his own admission that he used to take a lot more pull-up shots, a lot more tricky, difficult shots. And, you know, like I asked him, you know, like I I was wanting to know, does he feel like a better shooter? And he's like, 
now. It's just it's just role. It it's just the role that he's playing and the shots that he's taking. And you know, I guess it is that simple. It's still kind of remarkable. Yeah, I mean, Luka Doncic will get you a lot of open shots. He's he's never played with a playmaker of Luka's level, and he just gets much easier shots. He shoots a lot of wide open threes, and that and just like you said, like when you start shooting those wide open threes and you get into a rhythm, then when you can start hitting those step backs and they feel a lot more natural. And then you feel so good that you'll just sprint fifty feet and then pull up and, and try to hit a three. So it's he's been great. It's he's honestly filled in the Brunson production role pretty well. He's pretty much at or actually above Brunson's season averages from last year. So it's he's honestly at the top end of how I expected him from it to, to perform this season. Yeah, I think that's right. We talked last week, uh, me and Saad Youssef, we talked about just the lack of a third playmaker and how that affects the team. And I do think that's still a problem, but there's no need to rehash that conversation. You can go listen to last week's episode that came after the back-to-back losses, you know, where the vibes were down a little bit. But things are going well. The Mavericks, you know, obviously they won. They're they're seven and five now. And Portland's a good team. Also, don't understate or undersell that fact that the Blazers have started this year really well. If um if we were to do a vibe check with you, Austin, seven and five, some decent wins against teams that weren't expected to be this good early in the year against Portland and Utah, some really awful losses, but also losses that almost don't seem like they should have happened or, or were historically unlikely to happen. Where are you at right now? I think I'm uh, cautiously optimistic. I think they've obviously, they've, they've done some things really well and this team clearly has some flaws and some things to work on, but I think they do have a good, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, a good winning formula and they have ways to find ways to get to wins. And I think they're going to have to figure out a different way to win. I think just with Luca's workload and the way that Luca has been producing this year, I don't think you want him to do that for an entire season just so you can save him for the playoffs. But I think, especially if some of their role guys can kind of get on track, I think they've, they've found a good formula to, to win regular season games. And they've proven that they're not going to, they're not going to get blown out of games. They've been, they've had a lead in every single fourth quarter this season, except for that wizards game. So there hasn't been a time this year where I felt like they were getting, out talented on the floor but i think they're still trying to find that right balance and i think kid has a lot of work to do in finding out who's going to play when and what lineups to play and i think that's going to be a quite honestly a season-long uh journey i don't think that's going to be something we figure out until maybe post all-star break we're going to talk about those role players here in a second and, and the struggles that some of them have had but let's let's stay big picture it, it does feel like fans have been down at times uh, on this team. Um, I'm trying to figure out, or I'm trying to think where, where exactly that's coming from, because first off it's, it's deserved, you know, I, I think there was an expectation. The Mavericks would start faster than this. And there was deserved and, and, you know, up there was deserved uh, anger at some of the losses that this team really should not have. The schedule is going to get tougher as we go along, but I, I think in another situation seven and three would be fine you know the team has largely looked good like you said they've led in all these fourth quarters just about i think that the team looks like it's missing jalen brunson sometimes and that people are still really i I think there's still a lot of frustration and anger and even confusion you know as not every single tick tock of that decision has been fully unraveled or revealed 
I, I, I would guess that's where some of it is coming from as well. So, you know, multiple I, I factors. Would, I would say it's stylistic. I think yeah. that Thunder Loss is quite honestly one of the worst Maverick games I have ever watched. I... <laughs> I wanted to get my time back after watching during that entire basketball game. I think their losses have just felt so bad and felt so catastrophic and felt a little inevitable because they've been, they've happened in the same manner where they build a lead in the fourth quarter and then they blow it. And then you're like, oh, we had a guy last year that was a great second guard to Luca and we don't think we would have blown this lead. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're like, everything that you worried about in the offseason came true in these cluster of really terrible losses, despite the team overall looking good in most of their games. And so I think it's more of a feel like where the losses feel really bad, but I don't think they're going to continue to blow double digit fourth quarter leads all season long, and it'll kind of shake out towards the end. But early on, I, I I get some of the discontent with the losses. They they're really stinky losses. There <laughs> there's some losses that just that just don't sit right with you. Sometimes you just get beat on a night. You just a uh, team comes out and gets hot, and you lose by twelve fifteen. But like that's not been the case in their losses. Their losses are, are all games they should have won to teams that were either less talented to them or missing a star player, and then they were up and then blew that game. So I I understand kind of why the fan base would be pretty disappointed, especially after you lose a guy like Jalen Brunson. Yeah. And, and uh, that's good perspective. You know, uh, that's, these are the questions I'd like to hear you answer, you know, given that you still have the direct connection to Mavs fandom. Uh, I, I think I, I would have to think that the Christian would, um, you know, him starting so hot and his minutes being weird. I, I think there's some fans who think all of that is overblown um, or that the media was kind of portraying it one way or the other. Hello, as a media member, I, I don't think that's the case, but there was certainly some weirdness involved with that. And then even with like the back-to-back losses last week, it's one thing to lose on a night where everybody's tired. It's another one to lose when your best player looks like just completely out of it. Like like not just out of it fatigue-wise, although that's a big part of it, but Luca looked like upset and frustrated and when there is so much, you know, when this, as I joked at the beginning of this podcast, when the formula for this team to win is basically him have this baseline of at least like 35 points on a nightly basis. Um, I, I think, I think that there probably are frustrations that stem from him having an off night and the team just looking as hopeless or as uh, toothless as it did. Yeah. And sometimes you get destroyed by Kyle Kuzma and that doesn't feel great. And then you have to see him in his outfit afterwards and it's, it's a little worse. And, and it's been, there's two games in a row where an opposing player basically said that the Mavericks have no one else outside of Luka that can dribble. And that's all we guarded him that way. And then we're wrong. But I think again, it's, it's going into all the deepest worries of the fan base are being confirmed early on in the season. At least he wasn't wearing that pink sweater. The one that was larger than him, I think. You know what? I'm not going to hate on the pink sweater. I'm actually, I, I was a fan of that one. I was, I was a know, fan of the look. If you, dear listener, do not know what we're talking about, just just Google Kyle Kuzma pink sweater. You're, uh, you're in for a treat. But I think that's right. Uh, and I think, quite frankly, it can be both true that the Mavericks don't have other dribblers outside of Luka and obviously Dinwiddie as well. But they're still going to win a lot of games this way. And I, I think that's kind of what we knew coming into the season. It's just gonna look ugly and choppy at times i I think that's the main thing 
is that the Mavericks will win games. We thought they would win games just playing the way they do, just relying on Luka because he's that good. But there's also going to be times that it doesn't look the most fun. And there's going to be times they lose games they probably shouldn't. But I'm still optimistic and I didn't give a vibe check. I'm, you know, leaning optimistic, especially after a, a nice solid five-point win against the Blazers. Yeah, I think I think things are okay right now. Not everything is okay down the entire roster, though. And there are still some role players who are really struggling. Uh, so I want to do a little bit of a worry meter. How do you feel about that term? W- worry meter is great. Just a little early season, like, hmm. A worryometer, perhaps? W- worryometer? Yeah. But let's just uh. go. There's, there's, five, there's five role players I want to go. And I want to hear you on a one to five. This is a very simplistic meter little scientific gadget we're using here literally just measures things from one to five one's going to be least worried five's going to be most worried dorian finney smith how do you feel about his start to the year as far as being worried one i'm yeah i will never dorian would have to be bad for like a hundred games before i i worry about him <laughs> he is he is absolutely proven that he will break out whatever and i don't think he's been that bad i think he just they had to he had to adjust to defenses sticking close. People respect him. People guard him on the three point line, and he's not going to get wide open corner threes anymore. They're, he's going to have to work to get his shots now. And he's still playing good defense. He's still he had a pretty clutch three lately in a recent game. I can't remember which one that was, but against Portland, he's yeah. Was that, oh yeah, that that was Portland. Yeah, Spencer Portland did what he hit three in a row, and then it was the next possession, maybe two possessions later, Finney Smith hit one from the top of the key, and I would agree. I, I don't think. Out of the five players we're talking about today, I think that his is the least concerning and that he's been pretty good and he's just getting shots in slightly different ways. One, not worried whatsoever about him. Reggie Bullock. Oof. We're at a we're at a 3.5. Oh, 3. our, our worry meter does not go to decimal numbers. We're like I said, to, this going... is a very, very simple scientific tool we're using. We're we're going to we're going to four. Because Ooh. I, I I know that he does not start seasons well and that he will get back on track, but the team is so dependent on make or miss shots, especially in crunch time, that him just going through a two month funk and him closing games is not great for this team. Like they'd probably have two more wins had he just hit two or three more threes in a couple of these games, where he's getting lots. He's getting. Lots and lots of wide open looks. He he's shooting pretty badly. Like it's it's not it's not great. And I don't think he's just a bad shooter now. I think he'll he'll get on track and he'll get right. I just don't think they should spend a lot of time and minutes trying to get him to get right when they have other options that can hit shots and and do a few more things offensively. I think that's the other thing with, with Reggie is that he is strictly a spot up shooter. He can shoot a little bit off of movement, but he's not putting the ball on the floor. He's not driving. He's not getting to the rim. He's not creating shots for other people. He's not offensive rebounding. He's pretty one-dimensional as a as an offensive player. And even though he's a great defender, when he's not hitting shots, he's a very he's a very binary offensive player. So if he's not hitting shots, then he's going to look terrible. And he's he's earned the right to have some leash for a few months to have a, a shooting slump, but. It is pretty concerning that he has shot this poorly to start the season. I'm going to go with three, and I was actually going to bring up the same idea that you did, that he's a static offensive player and that he's really not involved 
with the offense outside of these spot up looks. And nor is he getting these movement shots that he did used to have the ability to hit back in his career, even inside the arc a little bit. I'm not saying that's I, I haven't looked at the numbers on that uh, to see whether he was efficient enough to you know, earn those looks. But very clearly within the scheme of the Mavericks offense, he isn't going to get them. And the Mavericks offense isn't built that way for him to, you know, wheel around a double pin down and shoot a 15 footer. Um, And that staticness is something that we talked about, you know, when they lost in the conference finals, that was the main thing that I kept saying as I saw the Warriors dismantle uh, Dallas in a, you know, closer than it looked, but still a five game series is that their role players could do so many different things. And Bullock being that static, being that limited in what he can do on that end, even though his point guard defense is still pretty valuable to this team, he had some good moments against Portland guarding Damian Lillard. It, it Yeah, I'm going to just say that I'm a little bit worried. You know, I'll, I'll go for a solid three. Let's do, uh, let's do Tim Hardaway Jr., who had a decent game against... Uh, the, the Blazers, he had 16 points on 13 shots, only three of 10 three-point shooting, though, and still around the 30s, uh, you know, like 30% uh, behind the arc. Where are you? I think I'm at a I'm at a two with Hardaway. I like how he's played. I just don't think he's hitting shots yet, and I think he's still reacclimating to getting to play. I think I heard him say in one of his recent pressers where he's saying I'm he's jumping too high on his shots because he he's did say so that amped. after Port- the Portland game, yeah. And that makes sense that he's just, you're just excited and you're eager to go out and and play well. I've actually liked how he's played. I think in general the way that he's playing, the shots that he's getting, I think are are great shots and good looks for him. And I think he's important to what they do on offense and to give them a little, a different look and a more dynamic look on the wing. And he's had a few games where he's shot seven or eight free throws. So I, th- I think he's going to come along. I'm not as worried about him. I think his jumper will come along. And I think it's, it's that he's at a two, you know, it's a, it's a little worrying because he didn't shoot the ball great to start the season last year, but we have two seasons of him shooting high volume threes at a 38, 39% clip. And, as long as he, I, I think he can get back to that level. Dude, I might go four. Ooh. Yeah. I like this. So yeah, what, what, why, why and, are you And I four? do think he'll shoot threes better. But what worries me from what I've seen so far, and this is small sample size, he's shooting 35% on two-pointers. And I, I just, I, I don't think he's looked as effective inside the arc. If, if he, you know, when he was having those two great seasons with the Mavericks, a lot of that came not just because he was hitting threes at a you know really high clip uh, and at a high volume, but because he gave them some dimension inside the arc. Uh, you know, getting to the rim. You know, even dunking. He had some. He had some great dunks. I remember uh, in, in one of those seasons where you know he just he just looked really good. And if that isn't there, and again, it's so early. And and I'm not I'm not just saying this based off the fact he's shooting thirty five percent on twos. Like that can obviously turn around, you know, this time, you know, next month. But I just, if he does look a little bit less effective inside the arc, and, and if he doesn't have that, if, if he's lost a little bit because of the the injuries and and age, you know, he's thirty now. I, I do wonder what sort of player or how much effect he really provides to this rotation, um, or if he just kind of is now lumped into, you know, this you know, shooting, three-point shooting, catch-and-shoot guy, uh, obviously with a bit more dynamism than, you know, the other guys. But if he doesn't have that that extra scoring oomph, 
I, I just I don't think he quite fits into this rotation like like he did in the past. Yeah, and I think for him, it's harder for him now to get those two-point shots because he's not playing as many minutes. He's not starting. Because previously, he would start, and they're playing five out the entire time. And it was in because the rest of the offense is so static, I think his driving lanes were much clearer. I think you're right in that he doesn't look as effective inside the arc. I don't think he's lost a step. He doesn't look less athletic to me, but he it does look like he doesn't have clear driving lanes, and he can't. He's not a, a great driver to the rim but before he could get to the rim occasionally off of closeouts and i think he's still trying to figure out where he can create his drives to the rim and so i i think he just he honestly just needs to play more and that's going to figure itself out but you're right in that he hasn't looked very effective in the side that you want and that's what made him such a good guy to extend and why he got the contract that he did because he was both a great three-point shooter and could provide some a little bit of pick and roll offense and and getting to the rim so also, I would like to see him get out more in transition. He's one of their better transition players, and they are dead last in pace. They are setting; they might set a pace record, quite honestly. And so, I think that's also hurting him, so he can't get into a rhythm as easier because they're always playing in the half court. I, I know we both believe that he really benefited from the rigidness of the Rick Carlisle system, and that the Jason Kidd added fluidity or or. Um, you know, ability to kind of find your own way might might be hurting him. So when we talk about, you know, when you talk about driving lanes, that is what comes to mind for me. It's just that the specific way the spacing is set up and where he gets his looks might just be different. And it might be less effective and it might mean that he's more of the player, you know, a little bit less efficient uh, that he was earlier in his career, even if he is kind of the same guy. Um, it's just easier for him or, or it's harder for him to go, get those looks that really made him as effective and as efficient as he was those two seasons under Carlisle. Let's do Maxi Kleba. And I'll just go ahead and say I'm at a three because I'm and and honestly, I, I agree. And it might, it might even be pushing up to 3.5. Um, yeah, I, I think Hardaway probably more realistic is a 3.5 for me. So if I can break the Wario meter, then uh, I, I'll do that for both of them. Uh, and Maxi's a 3.5 because he looks like those worst stretches, those worst months that we saw last season in the regular season. Yeah, and I think what's even worrying for me is that he's had a couple of games where he's not looked great defensively, and he's gotten blown by, especially that Wizards game. He just wasn't great defensively. And I think he's also adjusting to playing next to Christian Wood and not playing the five as routinely as he did last year um, and finding where his shots are coming from. And his, and his shots, he's... He's not. He's getting some of the open looks, but he's also trying to shoot the ball more in situations where there's a guy closer to him. He's also being guarded differently, just just like Dorian. And I'm not sure he's adjusting as well to that because his jumper, even though like he's an efficient shooter, he has a real set jumper, and it does. It's hard to get off if someone's running at you. It's not. He doesn't get any lift on his jumper, and it's a very set shot. Teams are playing him really well. Yeah, teams are playing him really well to incentivize him driving at a pump fake or pump faking yeah. and driving at a at a closeout, which is a win for a defense, quite frankly. Yeah, <laughs> he did have a <laughs> he did an up and under layup in the last game, and I was like, I've never seen him do that before, and I, that's how I can tell that he's he's thinking about it because he's being guarded differently. You, if you hit eight threes in a playoff game, the guys know who you are, and they watched him just destroy two teams in a row with his three point shooting. So. He's being guarded differently. He's being respected as an NBA shooter, and it's going to take him some time to adjust to that. But I agree, he has not looked great. He hasn't been the 
all defense level defender that I'm used to see him being and also the floor spacer that he's been in the past. Yeah. And after the postseason he had and he was healthy this summer, uh, didn't play for the national team. If he's still not providing a defensive impact like he did a few seasons ago, I, I think he's still good. He's still a good defender on that end. He will come up with just massive monster defensive plays, individual efforts here and there. But I don't think we're ever going to see, you know, I think the the defensive version of Maxi that he was a few seasons ago where he was legitimately, uh, you know, could make a case for all NBA team. You know, I don't think that that player is is here anymore. I think I think he's officially set sail into the oceans of somewhere. Yeah. And I think he's not, he's not going to be the 2018 2019 maxi but i i think he looks good physically like i i don't think he's not moving well like he was last year when he was really struggling but it's he's definitely i don't think he's it, he's being he's having to help and make up for wood a lot and i think the only time he's really played well defensively is when they've gone to him as a single big and that's when he really knows where all the rotations are just like when they played Powell over McGee like all, all of a sudden the rotations look crisp and everybody looks like they know what they're doing I think it's it's taking some time for him to adjust to play next to Wood on the defensive end. The last player I was going to bring up was JaVel McGee, but honestly, we've talked about him <laughs> five. plenty. And <laughs> five. Yeah, five, 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 and let's just six. move on. Can, it's, can I go to six? It's not. Yeah, it's not even fun now. Like it's it's, it's not it enjoyable really, to discuss him because it's it's a combination of like you know the Mavericks front office, the decision to sign him, the three year deal, uh, the player option in the third year. Um, but also the fact that he looks so much worse than either of us could have even imagined. So he let's looks, just let's just move on from that. He know? got DMP. He he got a yeah. DMP. In the That's last what game. I was going to mention. And and that yeah. So and that that to hurt kid. I know kid kid wanted him. So that's it's got a penny up to to. We're in what game 11? 12? Yeah. Game well, twelve. You could argue it was the second DMP after he got a uh, healthy scratched with a minor injury rest situation. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's five, that's five and let's move on. So, anyway, that's our podcast for today. We're going to be back later this week with a guest. I have planned to talk a little bit about uh, Luka Doncic and some of the stuff, some of the topics that we keep talking about about him. But this is a good guy who has some expertise um, about this uh, something that doesn't fall through but that's the plan so thanks for listening and we will see you next week he plays Fortnite just like me I am 34 don't fight the future honey don't fight the future the future is Luke a big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump how many kids you have don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, too bad. <laughs> but... <laughs>